The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello, I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Stockhead's Rock Yarn is delighted to be in conversation with the Managing Director of Challenger Gold, Mr. Chris Canau. Uh, thanks, Peter. Thanks very much for having me. You're welcome, Chris. Uh, Challenger Gold has a significant gold resource position in its 100% held Walilan Gold project in Argentina, where its feasibility work has led to well-understood metallurgy and cost estimates. So, Chris, um, thanks again for coming in to talk to us today. Your company's completed a detailed scoping study on a high-grade core at its gold project in Argentina. Can you tell us about the mineralization and a brief and brief the listener on the key outcomes of this feasibility work? Yeah, no, I'd love to. So in terms of the mineralization at Walilan, we've got a total resource of 2.8 million ounces gold equivalent, which is predominantly gold. Uh, around about 90% of the value of the metal in ground is gold. So effectively treat gold equivalents as gold. <clears throat> There's a, a high grade SCARN component, uh, which is hosted in limestone. That's about one and a half million ounces of the 2.8 million ounces. Grades about five grams a tonne. And then sitting around that, you've got this lower grade halo, which is mainly hosted in intrusions and sedimentary rocks. Basically, where you have less open space, you've got the same fluids go in, but you've got yeah, 100 metres of open space rather than 10 metres of open space. So you get 100 metres at a gram rather than 10 metres at 10 grams. And that low grade component is about 1.2 million ounces that grades at about 0 0.7, 0 0.8 of a gram a tonne. And most of that resource is in the indicated category. 2.2 million of that 2.8 million ounces is indicated. So there's very little resource risk. I mean, we've done 220,000 metres of drilling. Resource is still open in all directions. And the deepest hole at the end of that hole at just below 1,000 metres, that hole ended in four metres at 5.8 grams. So if this deposit was in Perth, or sorry, in WA, it would have been drilled out to 1,000 metres rather than sort of 400 metres. Yeah, pretty spectacular grades there. Um, and so what did the, uh, the scoping study, uh, study deliver uh, for the project? Yeah, so look, the scoping study basically you know, confirmed what we thought. You know, it, it's a world-class asset. So you know, where the study outcome positions us is a top 20 ASX gold producer in the lowest cost quartile, annual production of 116,000 ounces of gold, 400-odd thousand ounces of silver, <clears throat> global lowest cash cost quartile, C1 costs of you know, just above 500 an ounce and all-in sustaining costs of $830 an ounce. And you know, with the work we've done post-scoping study, those cash costs, all-in sustaining cash costs will come down about $100, $150 an ounce. So yeah, low-risk starter pit followed by pretty vanilla underground mining with three separate areas of underground mining, all with their own entry and access, which lowers the risk. <clears throat> um, we've got a significant stockpile of ore. And then in terms of financial metrics of the scoping study, EBITDA over life of mine of you know, 750 million US, and this is all done at $1,750 gold and $20 silver. Yeah, and we're now at 2000 plus, so that, yeah. 
really quick payback period, you know, one and a quarter years post-tax ungeared payback. Total CapEx is around about 150 million US all up, including all your pre-production capital. Pre-tax MPV5 of Aussie 630 million. Again, that's at 1750. If we want to run that MPV at spot today, it's about 860 million Aussie pre-tax MPV. IRR, 75% pre-tax IRR, or if we want to run that at spot prices, it's 100% IRR. So look, it, a great project, compelling financial metrics. Yeah, and a company, of course, at the moment with a market cap of 88 million Australian dollars. So where in Argentina is this located and what's your access to infrastructure and labour and things like that for the project? Yeah, so look, labour, what you've got in Argentina, San Juan has been voted the number one mining jurisdiction in South America. It is actually a great place to work. In terms of available quality mining staff, you've got Barracks Velarado miners about five hours up the road. They did have about 5,000 staff. They've now got about 3,500 staff. They're going through another series of of sort of, you know, cost cutting, that's got an estimated life of four or five years. You've got Welcome Marja, which was a Yamana-owned 120,000-ounce-a-year gold mine. That's effectively on care and maintenance now. That closed up about 12 months ago. So you've got you're almost 2,000, and that's an underground and open pit mine. You've got almost 2,000 miners there that will be looking for work shortly. So in terms of quality mining staff, and you know, processing staff to look at a heat leach or a CAL, you've got you know, plenty of options there. It's the equivalent of being you know, trying to open a mine 100 kilometres out of Kalgoorlie. In terms of other infrastructure, we're about an hour and a half drive out of San Juan City, which is a city of almost a million people, equivalent of Kalgoorlie. Double lane sealed highway to within 400 metres of site. We're 1,000 metres above sea level. The only new project in Argentina not impacted by the glacial or the watercourse law. Sit on granted mining leases. We can drill and work all year round. We've got um, trans-Argentina power lines have been put in around about 2Ks from site. Having said that, we'll probably hook up to a, a node on one of the current power lines, which is about 20Ks away. We've done some bore drilling. We've got abundant process water about 2Ks from site. So, look, infrastructure is really quite good. It sounds uh, pretty good and plenty of geologists and mining engineers to help you out. And you've spoken about the initial open pit and then followed by underground mining. What products will the uh, project produce? Because you've got sort of multi-metal content there. Yeah, so when we sort of finished the scoping study, you know, obviously uh, with a scoping study, you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and work continues. So when we finished the study, it was predominantly gold and silver concentrate, zinc concentrate, and a little bit of gold lead concentrate. Subsequent to the study, we've done the work looking to see if we can take that concentrate that we produce and convert it to Doré on site. Yeah, when you look at what that could potentially do for us, over the life of the mine, we produce around about a two ounce a tonne gold concentrate to get that concentrate to a smelter costs us about $150 a tonne or $75 an ounce. Your treatment and refining charges are about double that, so you're losing $150 an ounce. And the payability on the golds 
at best about 95% and on the silver, it's about 60%. So again, you're losing two or $300 an ounce by selling that concentrate. The work we've done now, we can effectively take that gold silver concentrate, run a small scale intensive leach, and for you know probably less than $100 an ounce, we can save $200 an ounce. So we'll now mainly sell a gold silver, gold silver Dore. We'll also sell a, a zinc concentrate from the zinc component, which is about 10% of the revenue, and there'll be a little bit of high-grade gold and lead concentrate as well but mainly gold, silver, Dore now, which saves us sort of three to six months on that working capital cycle. And yeah, it, it's materially better or the outcome is materially better than, you know, the scoping study outcome. Yeah. So you're initially focusing on the, an initial high grade sort of five or 600,000 ounce uh, area. What value could be extracted from the significant tonnage of lower grade mixed metal mineralization that'll be left after the, the gold mine? Yeah, so look, what I might do is I'll step back and explain why we focused on that high-grade core first. I mean, and Peter, I'm sure you'll get this, the market has not been a friendly place for gold explorers despite the gold price for about the past three years. We took the view that to have a realistic sort of pathway that we could fund through to production, the scoping study had to tick a few boxes. The sort of first box it had to tick really was better than 100,000 ounces a year. It's just not relevant on the world scale. Second box was it had to be low capex, it had to be low startup, it had to be low cost and also high cash flow. So effectively, that's why we focused on that high grade core. It really was, I suppose, an interim study to um, effectively you know, just come out to the market with something that had a, you know, an MPV six or seven times our current share price but something that we could put our hand on our heart on and say, look, we can fund this. And we've had discussions with you know, some of the sort of mining funds, convertible note mining funds out of you know, the US and the UK. And there is a, a sort of you know, a credible path there, but we can get you know, the majority and by majority, I say sort of you know, north of 80% of that capital project finance. So I think th- that was the approach we took. In terms of the upside, you know, there's there's a bunch of different upsides in that scoping study. The low-grade material, which you sort of mentioned, yes, that's a big one. So we've got, you know, 1.7 million ounces. It's sort of less than the 2.4 gram cutoff we use, which really didn't get into the study. And that's the difference between a small sort of underground operation and potentially a big pit. You know, we're sort of waiting on, you know, a couple of reassays now, but, you know, the initial heap leach test work we did looks like heap leach is a viable path to recover that low grade. You know, in terms of upside, if we can recover even, you know, four or 500,000 ounces of that, you know, 1.7 million ounces of low grade, you're looking at, you know, Shima cash cost of a thousand, you're looking at adding another 300 million US worth of value to the project, which in the context of something that's got an MPV of just over 400 million US is material. In terms of, you know, the work we've done converting the concentrate to Dore on site, that potentially adds another $100 million to the value. So it takes it from 400 to 500. Um, We sort of cut the zinc grade that we could process off in the study at 2% zinc bottom cut. We'd sort of subsequently done some work where we can take half a percent zinc and concentrate that up. You know, the scoping study recovered 60,000 tonnes of zinc. There's a, you know, four times that of zinc, you know, 180,000 tonnes, which isn't in the study. So we recover that, potentially adds $100, $200 million to the value. 
all of the underground and open pit optimization was done at $1,700 an ounce. We're pretty conservative. We redo the underground optimization. We throw another couple of hundred thousand ounces into the mine plan. And then potentially it does, well, it, it likely does become a big open pit with the heat leach results when we get those out. Uh, plenty of options. Plenty of options there, Chris. Yeah, there's, there's half a dozen material opportunities there that every single one of those could add 50 to $100 million or more to the MPV. It's, you know, it, it's, it's one of those ones where you had to draw a line in the sand somewhere. We thought, you know, an MPV of you know, 600 million compared to our 100 million Aussie market cap has showed a pretty good result, but it will improve and it'll improve a lot. So, Chris, your regional surface and stream sampling has delivered some pretty spectacular results. Assays grading from sort of 10 to 27 grams a tonne of gold plus one to six ounces per tonne of silver on the permits that that you already have granted, uh, demonstrating some pretty spectacular exploration appeal. What plans does the company have to follow up on that uh, exploration results? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the reason we haven't put final results out and wrapped up that program and come out with a statement on what it's produced is we've expanded the damn thing three or four times and we're still expanding it because it just keeps delivering some really interesting results. So, you know, the, the high-grade results at El Penon, about 10 kilometres north, we've now done the mag. There is an interesting sort of circular mag anomaly there. Yeah, the follow-up sampling yeah, defined the gold a little bit tighter. What it did throw up was a big copper anomaly as well. So yeah, there is a yeah, a discrete sort of target about 10 kilometres north. Yeah, what sort of has been interesting is you know in the two or three kilometres south of um, the current resource where we've done no work, there's a, a big, and when I say big, it's sort of two kilometres long and you know up to a kilometre wide gold anomaly to the south and also to the west. Um, we've got, you know, those high-grade samples at Anticolo, which were 20 and 30 grams gold that, you know, are sort of two kilometres north. And then we look another four kilometres north of that, we're developing, you know, and, and it's early days yet. We've only sort of done a few passes, but there's a big sort of interesting high-grade gold in soil anomaly up there. And then I suppose the wild cards that we have seen to the east where we've just picked up a new concession two lines have defined this big and when I say big you know four kilometers by five kilometer copper in soil anomaly and then we're now looking at going back and reassaying for platinum because um, there's a, a sort of fairly sizey platinum and palladium anomaly it sort of coincides to a degree with Anticolo but it's big platinum platinum palladium anomaly about two kilometers north of the resource as well so you know, again, we sort of haven't pinned down the targets and come out with it because we keep expanding it. But yes, certainly we're, you know, we've got some stuff we've really got to follow up now that looks very exciting. Yeah, well, I think you're in a good space because uh, gold, certainly in relation to the uh, lithiums and the rare earths and other battery metals is, is shining at over 3000 Australian dollars an ounce. Uh, the only thing, maybe you could find some uranium there, $106 a pound this morning, uh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so look, just moving on, look, Ecuador has uh, seen a bit of social and political turmoil of late. How does this impact challenges plans for its El Guabo gold and copper project there? Maybe you'll end up with a better you know, social position than you had previously. 
Yeah, so look, firstly, just so you know, the listeners understand, so El Guabo is a big gold porphyry system. We've put out a resource of about 4.5 million ounces at half a gram gold equivalent, again, mainly gold. Unfortunately, we put that out at the same time as we had to go and raise $10 million at $0.12. Cents. So the stock went straight to nine, never got a chance to trade. But look, we've got a, a 5 million ounce or 4.5 million ounce resource there. It sits next to a 20 million ounce resource, again, at a half a gram, owned by Illumina Gold, a Canadian company. And from what we've seen, you know, that 5 million ounces is from effectively two of six big mineralized anomalies. We've got, you know, intercepts of three and 400 metres at 0.6, 0.5 grams gold and a couple of other similar sized anomalies. So it's a big system. Where that lands is we end up with probably 20 million ounces and Lumina Gold have 20 million ounces and 40 million ounces in one camp is pretty compelling. What sort of has happened in Ecuador, you know, at the moment with the market like it is, the market's just not valuing Ecuador at all. So we sort of effectively put it on care and maintenance about six months ago, took the burn down from you know $250 a month to about sixty or $70,000 a month, sorry, $250,000 a month. I uh, got rid of most of our stuff. So really it's sitting on care and maintenance. Next steps there for us, uh, we will, you know, we were pretty open when I gave my last investor presentation. We're running a process with a couple of strategics and royalty groups to provide funding for Wallyland, so we don't need to go out and raise additional capital via a placement down here. And um, you know, Ecuador really, the market doesn't value it. We're going to spin that off and list it in Canada. You know, those sort of two initiatives are all nearing an outcome, and I think the market will like the outcome. So you know, not being you know, not being able to sort of you know the, the current unrest doesn't impact us that much at all. Yeah, you know, the discussions we've had with Canadian brokers and investors, they seem to be happy to look through that. Taking a longer term view. Yeah, we take a longer term view, and hopefully Ecuador um, emerges from this uh, better under better management than it was previously. So, look. Um, what finally? What can investors look forward to from Challenger over the coming six months? You've already alluded to a couple of interesting developments there. Yeah. So look, firstly, in terms of getting a re-rate on the share price, and that's what investors are interested in. I think it's more about the corporate. I think you know we've we're running this process at nearing the back end. You'll get an outcome out of this process to provide a strategic investor or royalty slash project finance rather than a, a cheap capital raise to all the punters probably by the end of February, and then you know, a similar time frame for the Ecuador spin-out. So I think they're the two most important short-term things that will both you know, re-rate the company. Um, you know, we had $4 million cash at the end of December, so I think talking hot copper of a immediate placement at a stupid price is rubbish, quite frankly. So you know, we want to knock that on the head, but I think that will create an immediate re-rate then. Yeah, we've got those four or five you know, different upside opportunities that are all material in Wallyland. We're running through the testing now. We'll come out with a, a sort of an updated case, whether that's via a pre-fees or an updated scoping study for Wallyland, which significantly increases the value. And then post this strategic or royalty funding, we'll actually be able to go and attack some of these regional anomalies. In Wally in Wallylan, where you know, I think one hole of you know twenty meters at three grams, three or four kilometers away, it probably changes the dynamic of our share price really quickly as well. Yeah, there's a potential there for some uh, interesting exploration follow up to come along. 
Well, uh, Chris, that's been a tour de force, a really good description of the uh, ore body and the the process going forward and all the numbers out of your um, scoping study. So thanks for coming in to talk to us at Stockhead today and we look forward to to getting you in again uh, later in the year once all of those uh, aspects have been uh, finalised and we're further towards actually pouring some gold. No, thanks, Peter. I appreciate the opportunity to actually, you know, uh, update shareholders on where we're at.